you're listening to Payments Innovation, a podcast dedicated to helping business leaders navigate today's global digital economy. Looking to learn about the latest innovations within fintech and payments? You've come to the right place. Let's get into the show. Welcome to another episode of the Payments Innovation Podcast. This is your host, Brady Burkett, and I'm joined today by Ian Lample, co-founder and CEO of Loan Street. Welcome to the program, Ian. Thank you for having me, Brady. So we're really excited to have you on today. And Ian, to kick it off, we'd appreciate if you would share a little bit of your background with the listeners, how you got into fintech, and a little bit about the, the problems that you're trying to solve. Absolutely. Thank you for asking the question. So uh, my background may be a little bit different from some of the other fintech startups that you speak with. So uh, during the financial crisis, I was deputy chief counsel at TARP. For those listeners who recall, TARP was the Treasury Department program to stem the financial crisis. I was there for about four years and helped to roll out and manage those programs. And I spent a lot of my time selling the assets acquired under TARP. So I helped run the GMIPO and follow-on offerings, sold 92% of AIG, a third of Citigroup, and structured and ran the bank warrant and bank preferred stock auction. So it certainly was an interesting time to be at the Treasury Department, but I think we're all happy the crisis has since passed. And one of the benefits I had while being at TARP was the opportunity to meet with financial institutions, really of all sizes and from across the country. They could have been large ones like JP Morgan Chase, small credit unions, and really everything in between. And one of the things that was most interesting to me were how oftentimes the problems were very much the same. And for most community banks and credit unions, it's really uh, almost the most basic of problems. It's the, what I say, the haves versus the have-nots. So if you are a community lender in Maine, well, not only do you have no ability to make loans outside of Maine, you probably develop a niche, produce a lot of loan products like that loan. And so therefore, you become both over-concentrated in geography and loan product. But you know, you're very good at lending in your local environment. And there's going to be another financial institution in another state that's going to have the same problem. They're going to be over-concentrated in a particular loan product or two and have way too much geographic concentration. Now, we're not the first kind of people to notice that problem, and I think most people have called it a matching problem, in that if they could just match, you know, a community lender in Maine with the community lender in New York, all would be well, well with the world. But we think that kind of puts, uh, you know, the cart in front of the horse. If you don't have the infrastructure to support doing matching and sharing loans at scale, it really doesn't matter if you match every once in a while. If you're really going to do balance sheet management, you need a scalable way of sharing loans over time with many different lenders. And so what Loan Street focuses on is providing the infrastructure to allow lenders to share loans much more frequently with many more partners without the administrative burden. And by doing so, we can allow them to have much more diversified balance sheets, uh, be more safe and sound, and honestly more profitable. Thanks, Ian. That's that's a a really insightful story. And was this matching problem what what you saw a lot at uh, in your time at the Treasury? Was that one of the the factors uh, that played a part in the financial crisis? So absolutely, you would see so many community banks and credit unions with extensive concentrations in their local geography, heavily laden with a particular loan product. And so their balance sheet is completely undiversified, right? So, and I'll drive the 
perfect example. If you are a community lender in Maine, you're really not going to have any capacity to make loans in Wisconsin, right? You're not JP Morgan Chase. You can't make loans in every county in the United States. And you don't have the kind of size to have different specialty lending teams, right? So you're doing something in particular. And so if you're making RV loans in Maine, you're going to have a tremendous amount of exposure to not just Maine and its economy, but you know how lent borrowers respond to that loan product during the financial crisis. And so a lot of community banks and credit unions had tremendous overexposure to commercial real estate in their local environment. And when a local community struggled or the commercial real estate market in that area struggled, it really hampered the ability for that community lender to continue to serve their community. Whereas if they had diversified their balance sheet, they may be in a very different position when the crisis hit. Got it. And it, it sounds to me like two converging factors really occurred that enabled you to build Loan Street. The first was the financial crisis, highlighting the matching problem. And the second was you know, a new age of digital technology to enable you to actually build a scalable solution. So drawing back on, on that, that first issue, the financial crisis highlighting the problem, was this matching problem something that financial institutions were raising their hand and asking people for help solving? Or did it take an outsider, maybe someone at the Treasury Department to uh, bring this up and, and offer a solution? So I think it's, a, it's a, actually an interesting question. So I have no doubt that many community lenders recognize they were over-concentrated in their local geography and product. And sometimes that was actually enforced by the regulators themselves. You know, what can happen is that regulators may not want to see a community bank in New York making commercial real estate loans in California. Uh, and, and rightfully so in the sense of what does that community bank know about the commercial real estate market in California? But, you know, it can be taken too far. You know, is it a county or two over? Is it, you know, driving distance? You know, there are reasonable means of mitigating uh, over-concentration. But I think before the financial crisis, many institutions just were more, oh, maybe a little bit overconfident that, you know, the real estate market always goes up or that the real estate values don't drop that significantly. I think there were a lot of financial institutions that were perhaps overconfident that they could mitigate downturns in local economies, especially as related to commercial real estate, than perhaps was really the case. And the financial crisis highlighted the need for more diversification. So I do think the financial crisis was an important element, both for my own discovery of these problems, but also I think it highlighted for a number of financial institutions that maybe were overconfident that they could mitigate these risks during a downturn because I don't think they really were able to. Got it. That makes sense. So um, I'm imagining you at, at the Treasury Department interfacing with these financial institutions and, and uncovering these problems. What were some of the keys to actually solving the matching problem that that had to be implemented into Loan Street software? So in many ways, I drew on a very similar market in how I thought about solving kind of the infrastructure that would then allow to solve the matching problem. And the market that I drew on was the bond market, right? So when you look at a bond and you look at a loan, they're incredibly similar economic instruments, but the bond market is magnitudes of order more liquid than the loan market. Now in the bond market, First, you have something called the Qualified Indentured Act. So that means creditor rights and voting rights among the creditors are always the same, regardless of whoever the issuer may be, regardless of the investment bank, regardless of the broker who sold it to you. You call it a loan, and now people renegotiate those rights every time. Very wasteful. Two, when you call it a bond, 
there are these things that are basically public utilities, trustees, transfer agents, paying agents. So you as a creditor or holder of that note are confident that how much you hold and that you're going to get the right amount whenever the bond payment comes due. You call it a loan, and then all of a sudden, maintaining that information, making sure the payments go out on time in the right amount with the correct reporting, all falls on the back office of that bank or credit union, right? It's just simply unavailable to them, right? They don't have these outside infrastructure, public utilities like a paying agent, trustee, and transfer rate to ensure that this is going to happen for them. So you go from having standardized legal agreements and pretty much public utilities that perform all these administratively burdensome roles available to you in the bond market, all that disappears in the loan market. So our view is if the loan market is, you know, magnitudes of order less liquid, potentially one of the reasons are there aren't these kind of tools to manage these processes. And so the first thing Loan Street did was to replicate much of the infrastructure the bond market has through a combination of you know, if you will, legal technology, standard agreements, and modern technology in terms of what you can do today. You don't need trustees and paying agents and transfer agents with lots of manual labor to do this. You can automate that with software. And so we collapse what the bond market has through those various tools into a, a piece of software that we can deliver on a SaaS-based process to individual institutions. So the old phrase, build it once and allow many people to use it, right? So we built these tools, we give a standard agreement, and now we have nearly 600 financial institutions that can transact as frequently as with as many partners as they want without having to renegotiate and without having to manually manage their either buy side or sell side reporting each month. It's delivered to them accurately on time so they can close out their monthly books. So by changing the infrastructure and making a match to the bond market, we're able to dramatically change the way the loan market operates. Got it. And the institutions that are logging into Loan Street or, or integrated with Loan Street to look for opportunities to participate in different lending opportunities, are they the same institutions that are also offering up a portion of their own loans that they're originating in their community? Yes. So it's some, there are some institutions that simply do one or the other. They might just be always selling and some institutions may be always buying. But more and more of the institutions are doing what we originally thought they should do, which is to both buy and sell. So their overall like loan to deposit or loan to share ratios may not be changing much, but the mix of the loan product on their balance sheet is. And so we're seeing more and more institutions do both buying and selling, even if they may be net a buyer, net a seller. Got it. And can, can you share some of the results that Loan Street has been able to bring to these financial institutions on either side of the market? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, one of my favorite stories is we had a client that was in Dallas that was a $100 million credit union, and they had a great prime auto leasing business. And they generated maybe a million to $2 million excess lease than they could support on their balance sheet. Now, the last thing that financial institution wants to do is to shut down their leasing business because they went out, they developed these relationships they hired the staff to manage it. Once you've done all that build out, you don't want to then slow down lending. That's a terrible outcome for you. It's a terrible outcome for the community. What we were able to help that institution do is do like nearly a transaction a month for 20 months in a row to you know financial institutions all across the United States. I think they had probably like 20 different buyers in 20 different states, right? They never once had a negotiated agreement. They never once had to add any staff to manage this process. And the end result is they never had to slow down their lending. 
so they could always meet the demand their local community had for prime auto lease and at the same time deliver opportunities to buyers across the United States who had no exposure to that type of loan product. An incredible win without having to hire anybody or negotiate a single document. Yeah. I, I mean, just from from the issues you've laid out, it's exciting to hear um, that you're able to, to bring those types of solutions to strengthen community lenders. Uh, let me ask you for two uh, forward-looking uh, opinions or, or answers. The first is, what do you see coming down the road for the community lending market? Um, any big changes, any big trends that you see on the horizon? And then the second, maybe related, maybe unrelated, what is Loan Street working on to either you know interface with those changes or, or potentially you know what's in the product roadmap um, that you're excited to bring to market? Yeah, and actually those things dovetail nicely together. So one of the things we see is a much greater interest among credit unions in particular to do business or commercial lending. There have been a number of regulatory actions that the credit union regulator, the federal regulator, the NCU has taken to provide relief to enable credit unions to more effectively serve their local business community. And so that ranges from reducing the categories that count as business loans to expanding and removing hard caps on the amount of business lending they can do. So we're seeing a lot more competition from credit unions into business lending. And what's interesting there is in many ways, they're not, as much as community banks, oftentimes they're frequently competing with credit unions for that same business. In many ways, they're actually competing with the, the top 100 financial institutions for community lending. It's kind of an actually, if you look at the asset size credit unions, you know, the entire credit union industry is smaller than like JP Morgan. And so we see some infighting among community banks and credit unions. It may be the wrong target there. But I do see a lot more competition, which is a good thing for local businesses, that credit unions are beginning to do a lot more business lending. And to that end, on a technology side, we are seeing demand from both community banks and credit unions to have a more what I might call consumer experience in business banking, whether it's treasury management or lending. You know, businesses today, they have iPhones, they are Android, they have great software applications in their personal life, and then they turn to their business life and it's terrible, right? It's show up at the branch to get a loan document. It's whatever management tools that they have in their personal life just disappear when it becomes a business. And so we're seeing a lot of interest from community banks and credit unions to make their business banking, both the lending and treasury management functions, work as seamlessly and smoothly as they do in their consumer life. And at Lone Street, we're spending a lot of time developing features that can facilitate that as well. So they can go from the member business or the business customer to that original lender to the loan investors, right, who are on that network all on a single platform without having to switch. So we're spending a lot of time working with community banks and credit unions on allowing them to have a beautiful front end, if you will, experience for that business borrower who need who wants to have the same experience that they have in their personal life and their business life? Yeah, that's that's really interesting. That's something we hear a lot uh, at Currency Cloud in our day to day conversations. You know, bringing the business uh, user interface up to the standard of of what we get in our consumer life. So great to hear that that Lone Street is working on that end of the issue. Well, Ian, I appreciate you joining our podcast today. You've given our listeners uh, a lot to think about in. Uh, community lending and and uh, how to solve the matching problem. I appreciate you sharing your story. Oh, thank you so much for having us. And please let us know if we can be helpful in the future. Have a great afternoon, Brady. Yeah, Ian, how can how can folks get in touch with Lone Street? 
So the best way is to you know visit our website or email us at info at loan-street.com. Although our name is Loan Street, we do have a dash between loan and street, making it a little bit harder to find us. But it's you can visit our website at www.loan-street.com or email us at info at loan-street.com. Got it. Don't let that hyphen trip you up. Um, <laughs> thanks, Ian. Thank you so much, Brady. Currency Cloud is an online payments company that makes international money transfers fast and simple for businesses. We're building a borderless future where international transactions are seamless for a better user experience. Discover the world's most trusted payment platform and our toolkit of developer-friendly APIs at currencycloud.com. You've been listening to the Payments Innovation Podcast. To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe now in iTunes or your favorite podcast player. Thanks for listening. Until next time.